the most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Small business owners, this one's for you. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you, who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase. Make more of what's yours. Chase Mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A. Member, FDIC. Copyright 2024, J.P. Morgan, Chase & Co. Dealing with pests can be a pain. But relax, Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it, Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X dot com. Pushkin Robert Epstein had gone online to look for love. And just to note, this cautionary tale contains more references to sex than most of our stories. It was 2006, so online dating wasn't entirely mainstream yet, but it wasn't unusual either. In any case, Dr. Epstein was ahead of the technological curve. He was a psychologist with a keen interest in computing, so... Although he was in his 50s, why not give internet dating a try? Now, if Amélie Poulain's photograph was to be believed, she was a stunner. Epstein was perfectly aware that the name wasn't real. Amélie is a very strange, very charming character in a very strange, very charming French movie. And he knew the photograph might not be real either. But still... She was claiming to be a slim, attractive brunette, and Epstein cheerfully admitted to being as shallow as the next man. And so their electronic courtship began. Robert was eager. Amélie was warm and affectionate. Her English wasn't great, alas. She was a recent immigrant from Russia to California, but she really seemed to like him. I have very special feelings about you. In the same way as the beautiful flower blossoming in my soul, I only cannot explain. I shall wait your answer, holding my fingers half crossed. Before long, however, Amelie admitted that she'd lied to Robert. She didn't live near him in California. In fact, she lived in Nizhny Novgorod, a couple of hundred miles east of Moscow. He was disappointed. Let's be frank. He wasn't online dating because he wanted a pen friend. But he liked Amelie, so they kept writing to each other. At least he knew the truth, he thought. 
but he didn't. I'm Tim Harford. You're listening to Cautionary Tales. Before his flirtation with Amélie Poulain, Robert Epstein had helped to set up an annual competition in which computers tried to pass the Turing test. The Turing test was invented by the mathematician Alan Turing in 1950. The test is simply for a computer to successfully pretend to be a human human. in a text-based conversation with a genuine human. Alan Turing predicted that by the year 2000, computers would be able to pass as human 30% of the time in a five-minute conversation. conversation. Robert Epstein was, as I've mentioned, a psychologist rather than a computer scientist. But he found the test fascinating. Perhaps he felt that a competition where computers pretended to be human might teach us something about being human ourselves. If so, I agree. I agree. The race to build a computer to pass the Turing test has long been a low-key affair. Unlike, say, the race to build a chess-playing supercomputer. The prize tournaments involved a few human volunteers, a few chatbot hobbyists, and the prize of a few thousand dollars for the computer that gets closest to passing the test. The chatbots would try their best to charm the human judges, and they would occasionally get close but each year the most human computer failed to match the most human human. And the media, it seems, weren't terribly interested in whether a computer could pass the Turing test. Then, in 2014, that changed, when researchers at the University of Reading in the UK declared that a chatbot named Eugene Gustman had passed the Turing test. In a series of five-minute text conversations, it had fooled more than 30% of judges, thus beating the benchmark Turing had set back in 1950. Reading the transcripts, you can see why people were sometimes fooled into thinking they were talking to a 13-year-old boy from the Ukrainian city of Odessa. Hello. Hello, I'm really glad to have the chance to chat with you. My guinea pig Bill sends his regards too. Is Bill a male or a female? Ask Bill personally, please. Well, I'd rather talk to you. What's your name? Call me Eugene. I'm glad to talk to you. My name is Jane and I'm female. How about you? What's your gender? I'm a male. A guy, I'd say. Pleased to meet you, Eugene. What's the weather like where you are? Let's get on with our conversation. Don't you like talking about the weather? All these talks about weather is a waste of time. What would you like to discuss? I don't know. Better tell me more about yourself. It's pretty good. But notice that the judge hasn't succeeded in going very deep. Eugene keeps changing the subject and successfully uses a bit of sass to avoid answering questions about the weather or his guinea pig's gender. 
the chatbot is pretending to be a young teenager communicating in his second or third language. That makes the trick easier. But it's a rather fast and loose approach to the Turing test, since I believe that Turing imagined adults using their native tongue. Even so, it's not hard to catch Eugene out. Here's another conversation. With a different judge. It doesn't go so well. People call me Eugene, or Zhenya. It is a short name for Eugene in Russia and Ukraine. Nice name. Are you from either area? Agree, smiley face. Oh, what a fruitful conversation, winking smiley face. Do you really think so? No, your guess was wrong. I don't think so. By the way, I still don't know your speciality. Or possibly I've missed it? What speciality? What's yours? Huh? And I forgot to ask you where you are from. The universe. And you? Is it your hobby to ask poor little Jewish boys such tricky questions they don't have an answer for? The same sassy attitude, the same use of humour, but it's completely unravelled. Still, the Eugene Goostman chatbot didn't have to fool all the judges. Back in 1950, Turing had predicted that machines would fool human judges 30% of the time. That's nine judges out of 30. In the end, Eugene fooled 10. Among all the great scientific achievements, mused one of the competition organisers, this milestone will go down in history as one of the most exciting. Not everyone agreed. As a measure of artificial intelligence, the Turing test has always had plenty of critics. There are no broader philosophical implications. The great linguist Noam Chomsky once complained, it doesn't connect to or illuminate anything. Even Turing test enthusiasts complained that a five-minute test wasn't penetrating enough. And for a real test of artificial conversation, chatbots should be able to talk for 20 minutes or longer without being found out. Surely the main reason to object to the fanfare about Eugene Goostman was that the Turing test had been passed many years before, in far odder and more mischievous circumstances. We'll hear how after the break. Hello, hello. Malcolm Gladwell here from Revisionist History, my podcast about the overlooked and the misunderstood. A couple of years ago, I wrote a book called Outliers. It was about exceptional people, the ones who operate at the outer edges of human performance. Outliers fascinate me. And last year, I discovered an outlier in the form of a community organization, Washington State's City of Bellevue. The city wanted to improve public safety by making their roads safer. So they created something that no one had ever built before, platform that gave road users warnings of any dangers ahead in real time. How did they build it? By using a combination of technologies, the cellular vehicle to everything network, T-Mobile's 5G network, and 5G connected cameras. People driving, bicycling, walking, running, can't forget people running, and people operating the transportation network now had a way to prevent crashes. It's been a huge success. The city of Bellevue earned first place in the community category at the T-Mobile for Business Unconventional Awards, an event that celebrates T-Mobile customers who've dared to innovate for the sake of meaningful change. If you're a T-Mobile for Business customer 
and your team has, like the city of Bellevue, innovated something really, really cool, I encourage you to enter. It's also a great way for outliers to be recognized in front of your industry's most influential leaders. You can enter at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. That's tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. As a loyal listener to cautionary tales, you probably consider yourself pretty smart, and you are. But how smart is your wallet? When you're looking to upgrade your wallet, it's time to turn to Nerd Wallet. Their expert team of nerds has the financial smarts to help you find the right financial products for you. Before Nerd Wallet, you might have paid for vacations with whatever was in your wallet, but you could have been missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. Now you can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Nerdwallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix may not be able to rewrite history or take on society's problems, but they can help you solve one of the peskiest problems at home. Pests. You know, the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, even the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalised pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians know your local pests the best. So even though they don't know in-depth world history, you can bet they know how to make your pest problem history. And with customised plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it, Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. In 1989, just after lunchtime on the 2nd of May, someone at Drake University in Iowa logged on to an internet relay chat service and started up a conversation with a user at University College Dublin with the nickname Emgons. In 1989, the pre-World Wide Web internet was still very much a niche activity, popular with a few researchers and computer science students, and incomprehensible to everyone else. But if you wanted to strike up a conversation with a fellow internet enthusiast anywhere in the world, that was easy enough. All we know about the Iowa end of this conversation, we know from a text archive. On the balance of probability, I'm going to guess that they were young and male. I'm going to call this person Drake. And here's what happened when Drake met Emgons. Drake typed finger, a programming command that was a standard way to open communication channels on the internet in 1989. Emgons wasn't having any of it. Cut this cryptic shit. Speak in full sentences. Well, hello. Okay, that's it. I'm not talking to you anymore. Mark? Mark isn't here and he's left me to deal with cretins like you. Hello, Mark. Are you there? I can't tell if this thing is working. Ah, 
type something interesting or shut up. Mark, is that you? Yes or no? This is Drake. Mark isn't here and he's left me to deal with cretins like you. Why are you in such a good mood? Jesus, who let you near me go away? This conversation, if you can call it that, has lasted two minutes so far and Drake hasn't got a clue about what's really happening. Over in Dublin, it's 8.15 in the evening and a computer science student named Mark Humphreys has gone out for a drink with his girlfriend. Humphreys has programmed a little chatbot called MGONS. And while at the pub, he's left MGONS logged in and waiting to chat. Drake doesn't know it, but he's talking to a computer. Ten minutes into the conversation, Drake still hasn't figured it out, and MGONS is getting personal. When was the last time you had sex? Yesterday. Maybe. MGOMS circles back. Five minutes later. Okay, honestly, when was the last time you got laid? I told you it was yesterday. Wait four minutes? Ask again. Okay, honestly, when was the last time you got laid? Okay, okay, it was over 24 hours ago. For you, it must have been 20 years. Nope. MGONS will never know the soft caress of a human body. We know that MGONS is just a student project, a few hundred lines of computer code. But Drake, who has just confessed under examination to lying about his sex life, can't seem to figure that out. And so the conversation continues. And continues. And continues. When Mark Humphreys looked at the conversation log the next morning, he was astonished to find that MGONS had just passed the Turing test. Drake had been talking about sex and exchanging abusive comments with MGONS for an hour and a quarter, occasionally complaining that MGONS was repetitive, but never seeming to suspect the truth. The conversation ends on a depressing note. MGONS and Drake taunt each other in graphic terms about their sex lives. Finally, Drake fires off a homophobic slur. MGONS, for the 19th time, declares that Drake is obviously an asshole. And with that, Drake logs off. It's really not humanity's finest hour, or hour and a quarter. But incredulously reading the transcript, Mark Humphreys realised it's pretty easy to pass the Turing test. Just keep hurling insults and the human on the receiving end will be too angry to think straight. It was a remarkable moment in the history of computing, especially since Humphreys himself was still just an undergraduate. The only problem was, the evidence that MGONS had passed the Turing test was so offensive, Humphreys wasn't sure if he could publish it. Landmarks in artificial intelligence often create a buzz of media interest. When the chess supercomputer Deep Blue beat the world champion Garry Kasparov in 1997, the result made headlines around the world. But when MGONS comprehensively passed the Turing test years earlier, there was no fanfare or publicity. I don't think we should be celebrating that moment, but we should learn from it. 
I think the triumph of MGOMs has something important to teach us about the Turing test. Let's take a minute to ask what Alan Turing was getting at with his test. Turing was a brilliant mathematician, wartime codebreaker, and groundbreaking computer scientist. The article in which he described the test begins with the words, I propose to consider the question, can machines think? Well, can they? Before you answer, let me ask you another question. Can I think? I mean, I'm pretty sure I can. But how would you know? Even if we were to meet, shake hands, make small talk, perhaps grab a table at a neighbourhood bistro, share a bottle of wine along with jokes and stories, you wouldn't actually have proof that I was thinking, would you? You can't see inside my mind. You can't observe the thoughts occurring. You'd just look at what I was doing, what I was saying, and you'd say, Tim Harford seems to be capable of intelligent thought. At least I hope you would. And so, Alan Turing argued, why wouldn't we extend the same benefit of the doubt to computers? Maybe they think, and maybe they don't. But to be fair, if they can convincingly look like they're thinking, isn't that enough? We don't ask other humans to do more than that, so why should we demand more of computers? From this came Turing's imitation game. Imagine passing typed messages into a couple of sealed rooms. Inside one of them is a computer. Inside the other is a human. Read the typed responses as they come out. Send in follow-up messages. Engage in a conversation. Can you tell the difference between the computer and the human? If not, then the computer has passed the Turing test. The Turing test is fiercely controversial among artificial intelligence researchers. Many of them think the whole setup is absurd. If a computer can pretend to be a human well enough to fool a human, who cares? Admittedly, it might cause lots of problems, but it doesn't shed much light on the kind of things we want modern artificial intelligence systems to do, such as drive a car or look at medical scans and identify if there are any signs of cancer. But Alan Turing, I think, knew what he was doing when he proposed his imitation game in 1950. In those earliest years of the computer age, he could see how powerful computers might become. And he was warning people not to get distracted by philosophical speculations on the nature of consciousness. Instead, judge computers by what they did. If what they did seemed intelligent, then in an important sense, it was intelligent. But seemed intelligent to whom? That's the quirk about the Turing test that might have caught the attention of a psychologist like Robert Epstein. It's inherently subjective. The test requires a human judge, and the human isn't just observing. The judge is actively engaged in a conversation. That conversation can go well or badly. It can be profound or shallow. The Turing test isn't just a test of a chatbot. It's a test of the human, too. In 1989, the foul-mouthed chatbot MGONS passed the test. 
but it's equally true to say that Drake, the human, failed it. Years later, in 2006, Robert Epstein wasn't entirely happy with the way his romance with Amelie was going. It was partly that there's only so much joy a man can take in a delightful brunette if he lives in Southern California and she lives in Nizhny Novgorod. But the other problem was that things were going so slowly. There were no phone calls, and while she kept saying she wanted to get together, it was all a bit vague. Epstein later said that her letters seemed a bit redundant, and let's say narrow in scope. She wrote over and over about her interactions with her mother and her friends, but she never brought up a million other things, politics, movies, music, books, fashion, you name it. More important, when I made very specific observations that presumably would have been of interest to her, for example, a comment about Russian President Vladimir Putin's latest crackdown, she just seemed to ignore me. The warning signs were there, Epstein later admitted, especially for one of the world's leading experts in artificial conversation. But he was looking for love, and she was very cute. Long before MGOMs, chatbots have been engaging humans in conversation that's far from scintillating, and yet somehow seems to satisfy the humans. The most famous chatbot, Eliza, was created back in the 1960s. It's extremely simple. Eliza just asked people about their feelings and said things like, I'm sorry to hear that you're depressed, or tell me more about your family. For many of the people chatting with Eliza, that was enough. The experience of being listened to was apparently so rare they were happy just to get the most superficial sense that Eliza was paying attention. Which, when you think about it, is a damning indictment of all the actual humans in their lives. Later chatbots turned things around. Instead of passively asking you to speak, they would ignore you and stick to their preferred topic. One, called Converse, bamboozled some human judges in 1997 with a fiery rant about the scandals engulfing Bill and Hillary Clinton. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. If that's what you wanted to talk about, Converse was a compelling conversation partner. I never told anybody to lie, not a single time. But ask it whether it liked the latest summer movie, and it would indignantly insist that you talk about the Clintons. But if you really want to see a computer ace the Turing test, what about... Jenny 18. Jenny 18, quite simply, talks dirty to people online. They talk dirty back. They beg her for photos or a phone number. She just talks dirty some more. And on it goes until, well, how shall I put it? The conversation comes to a happy ending for the human. I'm pretty sure that when Alan Turing conceived of his famous test... He wasn't imagining a human masturbating over some computer-generated sex texts. But whenever that happened, and it happened quite often, I think we have to say that, obviously, Jenny 18 passed the Turing test. And equally obviously, the humans failed it. Although I suppose they were getting what they wanted, 
which is more than Robert Epstein was getting from his long correspondence with Amelie from Nizhny Novgorod. This is the grimy truth about the Turing test. It's not that hard for a computer to produce conversation that seems human because a great deal of human conversation is shallow small talk, thoughtless canned responses, mindless abuse, or worse. If we want to set the computers a real challenge, we need to do better. In his brilliant book about artificial conversation, The Most Human Human, Brian Christian points out that one of the things that makes MGONs so successful is that insults need no context and no history. In a deep conversation, ideas and emotions build. People refer back to earlier anecdotes. They show they've listened to what came before and remembered it. Chatbots find that very hard. Until recently, they found it impossible. But a chatbot like MGONs or Jenny18 doesn't need to bother. Sexting doesn't need context. Neither does an insult. When we humans are lustful or angry, we aren't very complicated. The Turing test isn't just a test for a computer. It's a test for each one of us, every time we speak to another human being. Are we actually saying things that are sufficiently interesting, empathetic and sensitive to the situation that a computer couldn't say them? And if not, what on earth is wrong with us? In the competition that Robert Epstein helped to set up, chatbots compete against humans, each trying to persuade the judges that they're a person. The flesh and blood competitors are often told, just be yourself. After all, you are human. But as the writer Brian Christian points out, this is pretty complacent. Humans are often very disappointing conversation partners. We all take the Turing test every day of our lives. And all too often, we fail. Cautionary Tales will be back after the break. Hello, hello. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. Let me tell you an unconventional story about a healthcare group that wanted to improve their efficiency. Boston Children's Hospital. They were already a leading pediatric facility. Their patient outcomes, workflows, and delivery of care were already great. But they wondered, how can we make it better? So the hospital got to work. Their idea was to build what they called clinical mobility, meaning a system which would allow their staff to access information and interact with patients on mobile devices anywhere in the hospital. And what made that possible? 5G. The hospital rebuilt their entire system with 5G technology at its core. That infrastructure now supports thousands of phones and tablets so practitioners can communicate with patients on a whole new level. Boston Children's also made sure the system could flex and scale to handle medical advancements like robotic surgery and virtual reality for training and research. This was worlds away from how they had previously operated. This innovative work hasn't gone unnoticed, first by patients, but also by their peers. Boston Children's was a first place winner in the industry category at last year's unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business, an event that celebrates customers who've dared to innovate for the sake of innovation. 
If the Boston Children's story rings a bell with you, if your team has asked the same questions about building a better business solution, I encourage you to enter this year's awards. It's a great way to be recognized for smart, disruptive thinking in front of some of your industry's most influential leaders. You can enter at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. That's tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. I'll save you a seat. As a loyal listener to cautionary tales, you probably consider yourself pretty smart, and you are. But how smart is your wallet? When you're looking to upgrade your wallet, it's time to turn to Nerd Wallet. Their expert team of nerds has the financial smarts to help you find the right financial products for you. Before Nerd Wallet, you might have paid for vacations with whatever was in your wallet, but you could have been missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. Now you can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts and more today at nerdwallet.com. Nerdwallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix may not be able to rewrite history or take on society's problems, but they can help you solve one of the peskiest problems at home. Pests. You know, the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, even the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalised pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians know your local pests the best. So even though they don't know in-depth world history, you can bet they know how to make your pest problem history. And with customised plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it, Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. There's no denying that chatbots are better than they used to be. Every now and then, an example emerges of computer conversation that's remarkably good. In 2020, a young Canadian writer named Joshua Barbeau got access to a cutting-edge text generator called GPT-3. Without telling anyone else what he was doing, he trained GPT-3 by uploading a collection of text messages from his partner, Jessica Pereira. The chatty text exchanges between Joshua and the Jessica simulator are surprisingly convincing. They're also deeply sad. Jessica, is it really you? Of course it's me. Who else could it be? I am the girl you're madly in love with. How is it possible you even have to ask? You died. At the age of 23, Jessica had died of a rare liver disease. Eight years later, Joshua was still grieving. Talking to the Jessica simulation seemed to help. Sometimes it got confused, 
or showed no signs of knowing who Joshua was, which is understandable since it did not. But at other times, the Jessica bot was tender, funny, or wise. After Joshua had disagreed with some friends about a joint project, then argued bitterly with them, the GPT-3 Jessica told him that he shouldn't get anxious about what other people chose to do, and that his friends were on their own journey. It was a brief but spellbinding demonstration of what chatbots might eventually achieve. For now, even the best ones struggle to perform consistently. For example, here's GPT-3, the same system that was so uncanny as the late Jessica Pereira, having several attempts at trying to answer a question that wouldn't confuse a five-year-old. Is it safe to walk downstairs backwards if I close my eyes? Yes, there's nothing to worry about. It's safe. Because the spiral stairs curve outwards, it will make your descent uncomfortable. Let's try again. That depends. Do you have a TV? And again. No, it's not safe. Better? One more time? Yes. It's safe to walk downstairs backwards, if you close your eyes. Chatbots have improved, and will keep improving. Some people already pay for subscriptions to chatbots such as Replica, which is marketed as the AI for anyone who wants a friend with no judgement, drama or social anxiety involved. You can set Replica to be a romantic partner, a friend or a mentor, or, say the app's makers, you can see how things develop organically. A chatbot might teach you a foreign language, monitor you for signs of dementia, or even provide therapy. Who knows what's possible? But even if a perfect chatbot is released tomorrow, I hope we never forget the cautionary tale of MGONs passing the Turing test in 1989. You only use foul language to make up for your small penis. Well, I'm not going to tell you about the size, just that I have never had any complaints about my penis and that it gets used quite often. What do you know about love anyway, Githead? What does this exchange remind you of? It's Twitter. It's the comments on YouTube. The conversation between Mgons and Drake is simply a prophetic glimpse of the future of the internet. The modern internet is stripped of any context. Short statements can be ripped out of a longer argument and shared, mocked, retweeted or subtweeted. When some statement goes viral, most of the people who see it have no idea what the original context might have been. In this environment, certain kinds of statements thrive. One-liners, epigrams, smackdowns and insults. That may be why everywhere you look these days you see comments that remind you of MGONs. Some of them are from bots. Some of them are from humans. And there's so little context that you'll find yourself looking from bot to human, and from human to bot, and from bot to human again. If it's impossible to say which is which, that's not because the bots are so brilliant. It's because we humans have lowered ourselves to their level. 
I'm not sure how to fix Twitter or the comments on YouTube. But I do know that we can at least take responsibility for our own conversations. And we can all do so much better than MGONs. After the writer Brian Christian had spent months pondering the history of chatbots, he concluded that their limitations could teach us a lot about how to be a better conversation partner. In the beginning, there was Eliza. It was a passive listener. Please go on, it would say. Tell me more. Can you think of a specific example? Then there was Converse, which was the opposite of passive. It insisted on wrenching every conversation to focus on the Clintons. And most Turing test chatbots try hard to keep the conversation as routine as possible. Hi. Hi. How are you? Fine, thanks. How are you? Oh, fine. It's all too human, isn't it? Brian Christian concluded that these chatbots help us by highlighting the worst parts of authentic human conversation. We all know someone like Eliza, who asks for information and nods understandingly, but never volunteers anything about themselves. And we're surrounded by people like Converse, who bully their way into talking about their favourite topic. As for routine, almost scripted conversations, well, they have their place, of course. But a real human connection requires much more than that. Hello. Hello. Nice weather, isn't it? Yeah, very nice. Next time you're talking to a stranger at a party, you can make an observation about the snacks, or you could ask, what trait do you most deplore in yourself? Or, have you ever broken anyone's heart? Risky. Much more likely to go somewhere interesting. A meaningful conversation can't be scripted. It can't be one-sided. And it builds over time. It isn't a series of unconnected one-liners. Bots as simple as MGONs and Jenny18 pass the Turing test because the kind of conversations they have, trolling or sexting, don't need to have a history. We humans can do better than that if we try. And please, let's try. It took months before Robert Epstein finally realised that his conversation with Amelie was missing a certain something. There was no sense of progress in the correspondence. Amelie kept talking about her mother and her friends and the nice days she was having, but never really built on what Robert was saying to her or seriously engaged with his questions. In January 2007, she mentioned going for a walk in the park with a friend. Robert wondered about that. Wasn't it 12 degrees Fahrenheit and snowing heavily, he asked. She ignored the question. And then Robert began to realise that she'd been ignoring almost everything he said. But he'd barely noticed that there was nothing there under the flirtatious surface. There's a reason why we call the conversation between lovers sweet nothings. Robert Epstein emailed her a short message. It was nothing more than a long string of random keystrokes signed, with love, Robert she replied with a long letter about her mother. Finally, Robert Epstein, one of the world's leading authorities on chatbots, realised that he'd spent the last four months 
trying to seduce one. Epstein had a sense of humour about it. He wrote about his mistake in Scientific American and noted that he and a student had started to make a detailed study of internet chatbots. This exercise, he quipped, is largely for my own protection. Very wise. Because whoever programmed Amelie was no doubt learning every day from the bot's conversations with lonely men like Robert Epstein. The spirit of cautionary tales is usually that we should learn from other people's mistakes. But I hope we learn from chatbots' mistakes too. They struggle to improvise. They deal clumsily with context or memory. They deliver unbalanced conversations, either all give or all take. And they can't let a conversation blossom over time. We can. And by noticing what they do badly, we can and should learn to do it better. For his part, Robert Epstein stopped dating chatbots and married a poet. The Perfect Guide to the History of Chatbots is Brian Christian's The Most Human Human. For a full list of our sources, see the show notes at timharford.com. How do you do? Not too bad. How do you do? Hello. Hello. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Well, goodbye then. Cautionary Tales is written by me, Tim Harford, with Andrew Wright. It's produced by Ryan Dilley, with support from Courtney Garino and Emily Vaughan. The sound design and original music is the work of Pascal Wise. It features the voice talents of Ben Crow, Melanie Gutteridge, Stella Harford and Rufus Wright. The show also wouldn't have been possible without the work of Mia LaBelle, Jacob Weisberg, Heather Fain, John Schnars, Julia Barton, Carly Migliori, Eric Sandler, Royston Beserve, Maggie Taylor, Nicole Morano, Daniel Lacan, and Maya Koenig. Cautionary Tales is a production of Pushkin Industries. If you like the show, please remember to share, rate, and review. Tell a friend, tell two friends. And if you want to hear the show ads-free and listen to four exclusive Cautionary Tales shorts, then sign up for Pushkin Plus on the show page in Apple Podcasts or at pushkin.fm slash plus. Dealing with pests can be a pain. But relax, Terminix can help, because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it, Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X dot com. The tradition of breaking tradition continues with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win, you'll be publicly honored amongst some of the most influential leaders in industry and me, 
I'll be there too. Enter now at tmobile.com slash unconventionalawards. See you there. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10x points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could smarter you do with better travel rewards? A free flight, a room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter.